honored to get to speak this morning. We've been in an identity series and going to be wrapping that up this Sunday, actually, um, because we in our mission and our vision uh, to see transform people, transforming culture, the foundation to that taking place is worshipers being raised up in the earth. And I know that sounds somewhat ethereal. So we break that down and we really say, what does that look like? What does that mean to be a worshiper? And the primary foundation of that is being rooted in our identity, knowing who we are um, in Christ, what that looks like, what that means. So we've been taking some time over these last weeks to just look into that a little bit deeper. And I'm going to be just finalizing that series today as we look at our speech and uh, ones called in the identity of God to uh, be pure and righteous in our communication with our words and our language and in, in, in everything that we do. It's, it's supposed to be in word and in deed. How many of you know that? Super, super important. So as we head to true north, transform people, transforming culture, we're going to be worshipers who worship the Lord not only with our hearts and with the expression of times like this, but with our language, with our words, with our speech. How I many of you know that's really important? I think the Lord is is raising up a generation of worshipers. His eyes are falling on those who are not only preaching messages, but they're living the messages they preach. Really, really important. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I don't know if you guys, this is so old school, but this, this, they used to do this when back in the day when I was being raised up. But, you know, there was um, times, especially I think in, in, in grade school of teasing and you would sing this little song back to someone who was trying to tease you, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. Right. Does anybody remember that? Um, you know, the, the truth is, is that words do hurt. I think we sing songs like that, but it's 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 unfortunate because words uh, really, really do hurt. And in Proverbs uh, eighteen twenty one. The Lord says this. This is this is this is very very uh, telling. He says, "Your words are so powerful." You know, let's just let that sink in for just a minute. Like, there is power to words beyond what I think we even realize. And I know there's been some misbalanced teaching along these lines, which I don't really need to go into. But the point is, I believe that there's something very, very significant about the words coming forth from any life, especially believers. And he says that they're so powerful that they will either kill or give life. And as ones rooted in the identity of the Lord, our language, our words are supposed to give life. Can I get an amen? I remember, I don't know how many years ago now it was, but the Lord spoke to me and he says, Darren, I'm going to begin to hold you accountable for every word that you speak. He's always held me accountable for my words, you know, for my actions in a, in a good, healthy way as a loving father. But in this specific word, he said, I'm going to hold you accountable for every word. Now, I didn't know what he was saying at the time. And man, I wish he wouldn't have said it. Can I get an amen? I mean, it's one thing to be held accountable in general for our words, but it's another thing to be held accountable for every word. 
and the Lord to literally come and keep His promise that He made to you. It's a painful journey, but it was one that God really wanted to take me on because He wanted to shape me and form me by His grace at a new level as a leader. And I think that, can can I just submit this? I think that we should be uh, very open and on some level very zealous and eager to go to next levels in our life. I tweeted this this week, but I said, if we're not growing in our future capacity, and I'll insert this as leaders, then our destiny is in the past. So why not expand our horizons in who we are in God by inviting the Lord Himself to come in and transform us? It's what's going to really change the world. Paul knew this truth very well, and so in his book to Timothy, which we'll look at here in just a minute, Paul speaks to his young protege and explains to him that biblical leadership is not about just having the gift of leadership. You see, in the world, in the world system, you can be a leader by just being gifted or developing yourself with the gift of leadership. Now, some of you may say, Darren, you're talking about leadership. I'm just out. No, listen, we're going to see here in a minute, but being a leader is modeling something to other people. Every single person in this room is called to lead in some capacity. God's wanting to change you, so as He changes you, you can model that change through Christ's likeness to other people in the world and give them hope and encouragement that that Jesus' blood can really change somebody. So we're all called to leadership. So, But biblical leadership is not just about having a gift on, of leadership on, us, on our lives as much as it is about modeling the manifestation of Christ-likeness to other people. This inspires faith, inspires hope, that grace or the divine enabling power of heaven, which we preach about all the time, is real. Now, a role model, just for definition, because we talk a lot about role models, this is a, this is a big word in, in today's culture, and I don't know how much we realize how massively important this is, especially with the church, but a role model is a person whose behavior is imitated by others. Do you remember Paul, when he, was, when he was talking to his disciples, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? So the grace of God in his maturing as a leader, not in just the gift of leadership, but the manifestation by grace of Christ's likeness, he came to a point in his ministry where he was able to say, imitate me, not in my own abilities, not in my own strengths, but as I imitate Christ, as I look to Jesus and the power that is working through me because of him, do Likewise, he was a role model to his generation. Now, Paul, when he was instructing Timothy, 
And Timothy was commissioned to raise up other leaders, biblical leaders that the Bible calls elders. Elders simply is, is, the, is, is taken from the Greek word, which is pastor or someone who is going to shepherd or care for other people, is going to model the grace of God to other people. Let me, let me pause right here. When, when, when I came to Jesus, um, Wendy and I shortly thereafter were married, and we've been in a, in, a, in a multiplicity of churches over our journey. I was never in any of those churches, literally until uh, the harbor, set in officially, if you will, ordained, commissioned, put in the place of official eldership. I know that's kind of technical leadership language. But the point is, is during my entire journey... I knew that I was actually called to eld, if you will, like to be an example to others long before I was going to have hands laid on me and put on the stage and, and be told that, hey, you're now an official pastor. I remember one of my mentors used to say an elder is elding long before they're put in as an elder. So the point is, is, is that we are called to be examples to the world. We're not looking for some title. We're not looking for some position in the church. We're called to manifest Jesus in the world and serve as an example of faith and hope to other people that God can really change our lives. Is everybody awake this morning? I know it's summer. So when Paul is telling Timothy to put in, in place these leaders, he says that there's some qualifications that their lives are to exemplify. Now, here's the deal. You've got to catch this. They don't. They don't. Try to exemplify these things, and then by trying to exemplify them, they thus qualify. No, these things are at work in their lives by the grace of God over time, over process. We don't arrive overnight. But these things are a manifestation of maturing in the beauty of Jesus and what he paid for on the cross. It's a manifestation of that. And he says, as these ones manifest the Christ-likeness that Jesus paid for on the cross for all of us to, to have and to walk in, he said, then begin to put them in as leaders. And here's some of the things that he said that their lives should be, begin to exemplify. Number one is living a life above reproach. Number two, to be faithful. Three, have self-control. Be wise. Be hospitable. Not given to any addiction, food, pornography, um, you name it. Gentle, not quarrelsome. Money, not being an idol in your life. Having a healthy, healthy marriage and healthy relationship with your children. But what struck me as I was looking at this, in verse 7 of chapter 3, 1 Timothy, look what the other qualification is. It's very interesting. He says, the people outside the church must speak well of him or her so that he or her may not be disgraced or fall into the devil's trap. Now, I thought about this and I pondered this for just a minute. And here's what I came up with. I believe that those outside of the church will speak well of the leader because the leader has spoken well. In other words, this is super, I know this is super complex theology this morning, but in other words, what the leader says is what the leader lives. No double life. 
no religious mask. Authenticity. Authenticity. Kim Walker Smith, who sings for Jesus Culture, me and Wendy have met her several times, beautiful young lady. She said young people, and she qualified it as young people. I think everybody could fit in this category. She said, are tired of being preached at by leaders hiding secret sin. I think the world is tired of a church that says one thing and does something different. I think it would be beautiful if we had the courage to say, Lord, hold us accountable. Empower us by your grace. With every word that we say, let us manifest the beauty of Jesus in this life. So Paul tells Timothy, who's beginning his leadership journey in chapter 2, verse 14. Look at this. Because this is, we say, why do we gather? Why do we have worship? Why do we... Why do we have messages like this? He says, he says to him, he says, be committed to teach the believers all these things. Is this up there? I think it's a little different version. That's okay. Listen to what I'm saying. To teach the believers all these things when you are with them. In the presence of the Lord. Everybody say presence of the Lord. I know that sounds kind of whatever, kind of out there. But, but when, he's, when he's talking here, here's what he's trying to tell them. He, he's giving them a definition. Teach is not like in a classroom necessarily, like we went to school, like that kind of teaching. It's, it's imparting transformational knowledge that only can really come in the presence of God. It's like there, there's like there's some mystery, and I don't fully understand it. That when when we're communicating something, it could be from a pulpit like this. Last night I sat in a room upstairs with our worship community in a circle where they were feeding back to me. It, it's not necessarily just one way communication. But I told them last night. I said when I'm when I was driving here tonight to be with you on a Saturday. I was asking God for his presence to show up in our midst. And as I communicated that there would be something bigger than me backing my words so that there wouldn't just be an intellectual assent to the things that I was trying to communicate, but there would actually be an impartation of transformational knowledge that would invade your heart and that none of us would be the same when we leave here tonight. The same is true this morning. Like, we don't just want to come up here and preach another message. We want to come together in the presence of God, under the grace of God, giving to equipping ministers that, that is, is the most humbling thing ever, to come and release something that gets all up in our stuff, man. And we can't even fully put our finger on it, but we're like, man, I remember when, because I even asked the worship team last night, I said, I want you, after I'm done talking, I want you to tell me what you heard and what impacted your life. So we took some time and they went around the room and they shared some things. And I said, wow. 
that was awesome. You were inspired in your heart by some things that God was saying through me. Now let's pray and come into an agreement on what we just understood by revelation. Because when you come into an agreement with something, it's, it's sealing the deal. I was telling them, like, when you get married and you stand up in front of the, the friends and family that's there before you and you say your marriage vows, that's way more than just going through some ceremony. Like, it, it literally, the Bible literally says that, like, you are, you are enjoined with, with heaven and earth and you are making a commitment. You are, by revelation, coming into an understanding of, of what's actually taking place. You're exchanging words that are powerful. And there's an agreement that's being made that sets something in motion. Like, how can two become one flesh? That is crazy. But it happens as that agreement is taking place. I told the worship team, I said, what would it look like if we all knew our identity fully? If we all began to walk in intimacy with God and one another and then we, out of that intimacy and our agreements with the things that we were coming to understand from heaven, the mysteries of the kingdom that Jesus said that they've been given to us, what would our destiny look like for real? I'll tell you what it would look like. It would look like changing the world. It would look like mind-blowing stuff that people write books about one day. That's what it would look like. That's what we're desiring. So that's why Paul says, instruct them. Now, I want you to pay attention here because we're, we're coming to the crux of my message. He says, instruct them to never, look at this in the latter part of that verse, never be drawn into meaningless arguments. Everybody say meaningless arguments. With the love of God today, I want to tell you, we are wasting way too much time on meaningless arguments right now. Way too much time. And I'm going to show it to you in the word of the Lord. So he tells them and he instructs them. The word instruct, it literally means to give an order or to come into an agreement. So he's like, hey, church, Apostle Paul speaking here. Um, listen, you are to never. I mean, come on, Paul, maybe here and there a little bit, a little bit on Facebook. I mean, no one's really watching. Wrong, you know. No, never. Why? And I, I could have went a million different directions with focusing on our words and our language, but I, I just felt to focus on on this aspect of never coming into uh, meaningless arguments. And, and we're going to move to Proverbs chapter twenty nine to see why. Look, look what the writer says in verse eight. He says. <laughs> Arrogant cynics. Here, here's the thing. You think that people that want to fight, that like to fight, are filled with truth and knowledge and faith. And did you know what? They're actually cynics filled with disbelief. Because they're trying to prove their point to somehow make themselves feel better about themselves. So arrogant cynics, he says, love to f pick fights. But look what he says, because this, this is an identity statement for followers of Jesus. But the humble and wise love to pursue peace. 
In our identity, here's what we're called to do. We are called to dismantle, come on, foolish pride by pursuing peace through humility and wisdom. Can I get a better amen? Amen. There are things that have been built up, that are being built up, that will always be built up in culture, that are not of the Lord, and that we as the children of God, rooted in identity, are called to dismantle, are called to tear down. We're called to build up some things, and we're called to tear down other things. Look what he says. He, gives, he goes a little deeper here, because he's trying to give some, some wisdom here, the the, the proverb writer who is, is filled with wisdom. He says, listen, there is no arguing with a fool. For his ranting and raving, look at this, prevents you from making a case and settling the argument in a calm way. Here's what I want to say to you guys as, as sons and daughters rooted in identity. identity. Arguing is a waste of your valuable time and energy as it relates to foolish people. I've I got to tell you this last week, and, and this is where, man, <laughs> actually in Home Goods last night, I got my, my Christianity tested. Uh, but that's another story. I'm actually, I, I actually am really digging Home Goods and uh, what's the other one that... Um, that we were in the other, Marshalls is good too. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, all these, you know, there's just all these things that you can buy for your house that are really cool. You know what I mean? For really cheap. But anyhow, when it all adds up, it's a lot of money. But anyhow, that's another story. But, you know, we were in Home Goods. I got to tell you this. And, we, I mean, it was like a line out the door. And it was just, I, we just went in there to get a little something. And it was, and there was this one couple of ladies. Oh, God bless those women, you know. And they were on register three. I don't think I'll forget it for a couple of weeks. And they just felt like they were the only ones in the store. I mean, they had all the, and then the red, the cashier was just, have you ever been in there where they're just go, they're like, they're like in slow motion. But anyhow, forget that story. Facebook this last week. I saw a leader call out another leader publicly without ever having talked to that leader, because I knew that personally. And so one of the other guys that was associated with this leader was a friend of mine, so I felt to call my friend. And, and, I, and actually, when I got on the phone, I said, man, I don't think this is really going to go anywhere, because what I, what I feel like I have to say to you right now is not going to actually be something that you're actually going to hear me, because there's a lot of foolish pride that's going on in the midst of this garbage, this nonsense. Thank God there was a measure of humility and repentance, and we were able to get somewhere. But it's a longer story than I have time to tell today, but I was, I was like, man... What are we doing? Like, what's going on in the body of Christ? And this is between, it's like friendly fire between Christians. But anyhow, look, look, look what it says in, in verse 10. He, it says, violent men hate those with integrity, but the lovers of God esteem those who are holy. Now, we know where our holiness comes from, so catch that. That's in Christ. And here's my point to, to you all this morning. 
Your integrity, which we're all called to walk in, my integrity, will either be a badge of honor or a bullseye. And you just have to know that. We joke and we say, man, in, in church leadership, you're either, some people love you, some people hate you, and some people just don't care. <laughs> but it's true because, man, you know, when we say, I'm going to be example for Jesus, people are going to go, wow, that is so admirable. And then other people are going to see it, and you are going to have a bullseye on your back. And that's why we need to stand together as the body of Christ. You need to know which kind of person you're dealing with. So he continues in verse 11. He said, you can recognize fools. This is hard language. By the way they give full, look at this, rage, vent to their rage and let their words fly. But the wise bite their tongue. You ever been in those and you're just like, you're like, you want to, you want, come on, somebody, anybody else, you and you you want to, but you just feel that wisdom just, and over the years, you get more wise. Can I get an amen? You see, their fruit will reveal their true character. It's all about fruit. Here's where I want to wrap up today, because there's a reason for all of this instruction. It's actually not about the arguments between Christians. There's a greater purpose in our identity with our words and the integrity of our words. It's to change the world. Look, look at what Paul says. We're back to his writings again. This is so powerful. He says, oh, I mean, talk about extremes in, in chapter 4 of Verse 6 of Colossians. He says, this is, are you guys, hold up, take it down for a minute. I don't know if I want to put this up there because if we have it up there, it means we're going to have to be accountable to it. <laughs> and guess who that's going to start with? Preaching messages is no fun because on Monday, man, the funds, the, you know, the work begins. Actually, it begins before that. You actually really need to know what you're going into when you preach stuff like this. Oh. But... Here's what he said. Let's put it up. He says, let every word. I don't know if I'm a Christian. Can I get an amen? Every word. And then I love the language here in the, in the Passion Church. Be drenched. It's like Holy Spirit waterboarding. Where did that come from? Be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. Have you ever said something or wrote something and, and, and you, you say it or then you hit send and you want to grab it and pull it back in? You ever done that? Oh! Or have you ever had like someone call you out on what you said or what you wrote and you're like listen this happens in our staff all the time 
Actually, this couple of weeks ago, Julie, Sam, and I were having a conversation. Sam said to me the next day, Darren, I think you really overspoke here. So what I needed to do was send a text to Julie, apologize to Sam, send a text to Julie. How many of you know that that brings humility in your life when you have to do that kind of stuff? That's behind-the-scenes leadership, Harbor 101 right there, always going on. Well, you guys are such great friends. Yeah, because we fight the rest of the week. Can I get an Amen. Not fight, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, there, there's righteous integrity in true friendship. You know, how many of you, know, I don't know about you, but I don't like confronting people. I don't like being confronted. But it's part of what we have to do to walk think, this thing out called the grace of God. The journey of Jesus. We're calling people up higher. We're saying, this is who you really are. That's not who you were. This is who you are. Now, here's what he says, which is really interesting. I'm closing this right here. This plane is landing. Can I get an amen? We're going to go to lunch here really soon. He says, for then, where's my keyboardist? Because I need some power here on the keys. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. He says, for then, you will, this is really powerful. All of everything I just talked about, look what he says. If you let every word be drenched with grace, tempered with truth and clarity, you don't do any of the things that I just told you not to do. For then you will be prepared. Everybody say prepared. Prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks you about your faith. What? So he's talking about stuff going on inside the church, but it's actually relating to those outside of the church. Going back to this is why you need to have this extra qualification to be respected, not from those inside, but from those. Hey, come on, let's get real. It's easy to come in on a Sunday morning with your Sunday best, your Sunday smile. But when you're out there in the world, in the marketplace, man, people know who you really are who we really are, right? And like, what's really good. And, and, and so as God gets us into those spaces and draws out Christ's likeness that we all carry on the inside because of the accomplished work, we do all these things that Paul tells us to do out of good instruction as a father. We let every word, we come to the place, like, listen, just so you know, Harbor culture, we don't really have anything to say about other pastors and churches in this region other than, man, God bless them. You know, raise up righteous leaders, raise up passionate churches, let the glory of God fall in all these other communities. We cheer on what Holy Spirit is doing in all these other congregations, knowing that we are a part of something far bigger than ourselves. He's speaking about effectively engaging those outside the church. How many of you know that we really need to begin to effectively engage those outside the church? So hear, hear this. The discipline that we learn from dealing with the nonsense of the chaff inside the church actually prepares us to give a respectful answer to anyone outside of the church that asks us about the faith.
Have you ever had a conversation with someone that was totally lost and the things that come out of their mouth? when they're? T- In fact, I saw this post on, on Twitter and it was like things that people that happen to people when they find out you're, you're a pastor. And one of them was that the cursing stops. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I wish I had another job title I could tell people. We were walking through our neighborhood a couple months ago having this amazing conversation with this couple that were living together just around the corner from where we are. And it was going awesome until they asked me what I did. And I had to say, I wanted to say spiritual coach or something because I just knew it. Reverence used to be revered. Now it's because they, 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 Anyhow, I believe our primary calling is to speak with grace to those outside the church, not argue with Pharisees inside the church. Stand your feet all over this place. Could you just close your eyes for just a minute? I want to I want to call some things out inside of your heart. And it begins with this, Lord, I thank you that every person under the sound of my voice in this room and watching over live stream are called to manifest the nature of Jesus. Who, though he was persecuted, didn't even as much as open up his mouth. And when he talked to those outside the community of the redeemed, his words were drenched with life. And these ones flocked around him, not to be coddled in their sin, but to be changed by his love. Lord, this is the portion of every heart in this room. Who we know that you've called us to be in our salvation, we will walk in, in whatever sphere and what under whatever pressure and whatever, you know, boiling cooker pot that you put us in, Lord, that God, we will be tested and we will be proven for what we do carry not for what we're void of because you have given us everything to live a life of godliness in Christ Jesus thank you that we are going to speak to the lost at the city gates and we're going to invite them in Lord take the energy that the enemy is diverting to meaningless arguments, foolish conversations, tearing down other people in the body, and let the power of that be drawn back in a bow and shot into the heart of the darkness that we are called to submerse ourselves in. 
Would you raise your hands if you if you could and just say, God, qualify me. Qualify me. Qualify me to be a role model. Qualify me as one that people will look at and they will imitate my life. That there will be grace on my words. That heaven will come when I speak. Heaven will come when I don't speak. God, heaven will show up just because I've shown up. Lord, that you will manifest something far greater through me than I ever could have realized. That God, wherever I go, that my identity, being rooted and established in it, will transform the world around me. Manifest wisdom. Manifest hospitality. Manifest just no idolatry, no addictions in our life. God, manifest faithfulness in the name of Jesus. Manifest all the things that you carry, that now we carry on the inside because of the Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. As you're out there, if you're here today and you're like, wow. I didn't know that I could know Jesus in that kind of a way. I didn't even know that that was possible. We want to pray for you. Maybe something I said today impacted your heart. And as we close this little chapter on identity, would you do business with God and just say, Lord, this is a painful question to ask, but would you make me the man or woman that I know that I'm to become? And would my words even be more reflected in my actions by the grace of God. I say to all condemnation and shame over anybody in this life that would be afraid to go there because you feel like you have to do some penance penance for the past, that that is a lie, that is not true. Just come and be with Jesus today. Your tomorrow is promising. It's good. It's hopeful. If there's anybody here today with sickness in their body, Lord, would you pour out? Would you join me in this? Would you pour out just a healing measure of grace all over this place, Lord? Every cell, every fabric of everybody's DNA, Lord, come. As our ministry teams come up, can we just give a hand for the Lord and how awesome he is and what he's doing in the body of Christ? It's amazing. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just tell him, God, you are so good. You are better than we think. I love y'all. God bless you as you go get your kids. We're going to have our ministry teams up here ministering as long as possible. We'll see you next Sunday. Have an awesome, awesome rest of your weekend in Jesus' name.